1: And Josh
0: Whitaker. So, please try and attach my six year old Oliver introducing while playing Minecraft and his favourite wordplay game that I thought I'd share with you. Very simple rules, all you have to do is replace vowels in words with long ooh sounds. It makes everything you say hilarious. So he's played that with our names. It's quite nice for someone actually to rip up the rule book and do something different with our names. That's sort of just being a Julie, isn't it? Extending the vowels. (laughs) Yeah. Fun, ah, that impression show you've been pitching to ITV that hasn't got away.
2: Do you know what? I'm, my accent work is really underrated. Is it? Yeah, I've, I've always said that about me. I uh... do you ever do any? No, I've I'm never. Not... No, I, I do a little bit when I'm like touring, but I take the Jonathan Ross, Ross approach where I can't do it, so I do it really badly. But even worse. So, like, what are you
0: it's... saying? That's his approach to what accents? Whenever you, oh do right, accents, I thought you were making. Just... I thought you were making a point about his career. <laughs> Thought oh, that's a that's a big person to take a shot at being rubbish early doors.
2: <laughs> He's the best. Um, no, but I will say that like that's what he does with his accents, isn't it? Whenever he gets people right, on the yeah, show, yeah. he does do his accents, but he can't do them, so he doesn't really badly. So I'll be like that, and be like, "Oh, why, oh, hey,
0: hey, man? What oh, meat? What for one stack? Can you eat the widgety group? And that's that would be my ant and deck. I I think a telling thing about your abilities as an impressionist is you've described one voice as being both ant and deck. <laughs>
2: Yeah, because I've looked into it. There's no difference. There's no difference, <laughs> actually. That's why they work so well. You can never tell who's delivering the line. That's one of their greatest achievements as a, as a, as a pair. Um,
0: where do you think we fall on the, on the double act list now, Josh? Um, okay, so you've, got, so you've got Ant and Dak. Yeah. Walker and Wise atop. top. Yeah. Then you go down to um, Chris and Rosie Ramsey, who are slightly above us. Vic and Bob. Vic and Bob, they're the top ones. And I reckon we're probably down the
2: bottom round, Fred Fred and Rose West.
0: Yeah, around, I think we're slightly, uh, we're between Fred and Rose West and Tim Lovejoy and Simon Rimmer. Yeah, because we're not as famous as Fred and Rose West, but we're more loved, I'd say. We're definitely more loved. We're definitely more loved. (laughs) um josh can i be honest with you yeah i'm hungover. over i thought you were yeah it's sunday morning we should say it's sunday morning at 9am which was your decision yes i said sunday and you said 9am yes because i'm going out today with the kids to the family so it's
2: a busy day so i thought well, if we get it done in early to so basically tom allen turned up at my house so we're going to yeah. get on
0: the show soon at some point we're getting um, him on it, the show under the guise that he lives with his parents that's yeah not, which, sure, that isn't that yeah. we've got a huge scoop that tom allen has a child
2: it, do you know what he's done? Lockdown, he's just been wandering around the southeast, impregnating women. Yeah, and I don't know why. It's just it's a new thing he's done. But no, he's um not got children. But, but he does he lives still with
0: his parents, so we thought we'd yeah. get the other side of it because it would be weird if we did a whole episode where we interviewed a six-year-old. I mean, I don't. Let's not rule it out. <laughs> it's, it's
2: hard booking people. Um, but he turned up with wine, and I'm not supposed to be drinking. But he just. He's, why are you not supposed to be drinking, Rob? Well, I'm trying to get fit, Josh, but I oh, keep getting mate. drunk. And because – this is so funny how, like, lazy you get, like, during this lockdown is – I It's not even lockdown anymore, Rob. I know. Well, I know, but I don't, I recalled this, like, literally at the end of my garden. And I was like, oh, God, I just can't be bothered to go and do the – And I was like, Rob <laughs> – <laughs> it's, a, it's an 11-second walk from your bed down the stairs to the end of the garden. But um, I, I'm, I'm happy I made it, but I'm feeling a bit ropey. What did you drink? Red, red wine. Oh, that's a bad hangover. It's a little fact. I think Tom Allen has been drunk in my house more than I have. Oh, really? Because I I don't always drink with him. Sometimes
0: Lou does. Yeah. So I think he's been drunk in my house more than me. Oh, my word. Which is a, that's a feat, isn't it? That is a feat. But, you know, you've got more responsibilities. He's got – abs. this yeah. is the difficult thing. So you get invited to things and everyone there will be without children. And if you've got children yeah. and you're drinking and it's 11 p.m., that's a completely yeah. different situation. What do you think Tom Allen's up to now? He's fast to fucking sleep, right?
2: Oh, he will – that's the thing is he stay, He left at half one last night, half one in the morning. Yeah. And also he's, um, <laughs> he will now sleep till 2 p.m. And I've yeah. been up with the kids and doing this already. And I just, it makes me
0: sort of resent that lying. I think parenting is by a, a million miles the most difficult thing you can do on a hangover. Like something is slightly disengaged. So if you're, I'd find it much easier to like to do a gig. or oh, some, easy. Yeah. Because you've got to engage your mind there. But with parenting, it's too close to relaxing. So it's too painful.
2: Yes, because it looks, and you're looking in your house of all the stuff you could do, yeah. but you can't. So, like, do you know what's easy? My job, my first job is work at Columbia Road Flower Market, right? I used to get picked up at four in the morning by my brother. We'd drive to the market. My job was to take all the compost into the street and load it on these trolleys. And I used to stand in the street, whatever the weather, freezing cold from, like, five in the morning, selling bags of compost.
0: And that was easier. Sorry, have you just stumbled across a kind of a random East London origin story generator? (laughs)
2: But I used to... That was easier than being in your house with your own children. Yeah. That's mad, isn't it? I, I long for that. I go, oh, that'd be a nice Sunday. Get picked up. and can sit in the car. Get a nice warm coat.
0: Get a cup of tea. I know. I, well, I, I just... I tell you how good it is when I have the excuse of doing work on a hangover and you get to go upstairs. And... <laughs> You get
2: to go upstairs. To
0: go upstairs to do something that should be more mentally challenging, like writing something. Yeah. But it's not, how is that more difficult than watching someone draw? But it really is. <laughs> or read, reading a book to someone. Oh, oh God. Oh, I just, So I can't really read Funny Bones anymore because I read it on New Year's morning. On the hangover of a lifetime. And every time I read Funny Bones, I get taken back to that feeling of reading <laughs> it at 7am on New Year's Day. Really? I'm like that with the song Jealous Guy by John Lennon, because I was
2: on a coach in Slovenia and I was listening to that. At the moment, I realised I have to get this
0: coach to be sick. <laughs> that's that's the thing, isn't it? It's these one, these things that are just completely connected. The sick one is like when you throw something up, I suppose. Like I can't have sugar puffs now. <laughs> if I sat down and you forced me to
2: listen to Jealous Guy by John Lennon five times in a row hungover I would just be sick Yeah, just from like getting like PTSD from that moment can I tell you a disgusting I'm really not talking about parenting here but can I tell you a disgusting story about that I got off that coach and my two mates got off as well so we had to wait in the middle of nowhere just by this like shack with like a yeah. toilet in so i went in there and i went into this toilet to be sick right and then my other mate went in there to do a number two right. and my other mate went in there straight after to do a wee but the smell was so bad he was sick on arrival oh
0: oh my god <laughs> oh my god
2: how that was that the night before it was just because it was so awful like a crime scene
0: and then was the coach just waiting for you no
2: the coach went off and we had to wait an hour for the next one it was sort of like a jump oh my god
0: I um my friends were once going back from a stag do yeah driving down the motorway and the guy in the passenger seat in the front needed to be sick opened the window to be sick and it blew back into the face of the guy behind him who started being sick as well (laughs)
2: apologies for people listening to this Sorry. while a bit yeah if you're hung over this is not the podcast we for need you. to tell the story I don't know if we do it today the story about when I saved your career at yeah Jimmy let's Car's. not tell it today Jimmy Carr's Christmas party <laughs> we need to build up to that okay let's build up let's save that for another time yeah. but the, the time I saved your your bacon. Saved my career. I think I genuinely did. I think... I don't think it would have ruined your career, but I do think it would have defined you as a person in all circles of showbiz people forever. We've got to tell it, Josh. Let's tell it Friday. Let's tell it Friday. Okay, yeah. Right, Josh. Rob, yeah. do you think this is... I mean, that says it all, doesn't it? <laughs> what is that? This is... I think we've, we've really... If if there was an
0: open chat that was rested on your laurels, this was the one. Yeah, this really is it. This This is very much... Penultimate game of the season. You're already, you're already in the Champions League.
2: <laughs> yeah, we've gone three 0 down away at Norwich, and the players. Do know- you know
0: why it is? It's because we we know we're sitting on perhaps our. Well, I don't want to build it up too much, but it's one of my. It's gone straight into my top five top five well no now we've taken it out of the top five but that's no fault of Ivo yeah himself. No, I think
2: I think the interviews are in and of themselves their own entity this is just a, a building to it I don't think you can
0: judge no and do you know what the worst thing is when I when we did the Ivo one I thought oh this might be like the one we'd submit for like awards and stuff but we've both fucked that one right up oh, now. With
2: this. oh we don't want awards you stiff neckers what do you want an award for well you, I don't well, will it make you feel better right this podcast okay we both love doing it we enjoy it a lot of people listen they really like it everyone goes I like, like what what would, Mate, would it-
0: let me just tell you now the greatest day of my life was when quickly kevin was voted the third best sports <laughs> podcast of 2018
2: <laughs> what would, would it make you feel any better if you had a little bit of metal next to the laptop? no
0: absolutely not <laughs> absolutely not
2: you won an award, anyway. Like hopefully, we'll win an award one day. And um, well, not
0: for this episode. And now it's now it's completely unsubmitted. No, though. we've done some great stories about being sick, and I've
2: teased the audience about the story about when you nearly ended your career, which I'll tell them about on Friday. But until yeah. then, oh, here I've is got, the got some program. good, I've got some good content. Sorry, disaster. The only part of the podcast that was slick there, and you just
0: walloped it there. Judging by how well this has gone, I'm eighty percent sure. That we're going to have edited in the wrong interview as well. <laughs> yeah,
2: exactly.
0: It's just going to be this again somehow, due to a kind of editing error. We're going to get two intros. that the and that'll be the whole out podcast. again. Yeah, well, it was very popular. Yeah, it was very popular. Um, yeah, well, I don't know what we said. This is a joke. Let's just start. Let's just. Um, should we just say we've had lots of requests? Well, you know, we've had requests, not lots. <laughs> you don't get thousands of requests, but we've had requests for Ivo Graham. Uh, to do an interview. Yep. And um, so here he is. Here's Ivo anyway. Graham. Bloody <laughs> hell, this is a disaster.
2: Right, We need a planning <laughs> meeting. We need a crisis meeting after that.
1: Hello, Ivo Graham. How are you? I'm very well, thanks, chaps. Thanks for having me on your podcast.
2: Oh, I love being called a chap. I never get called a chap. Thanks, Ivo. I feel that,
1: that greeting has said more about me than it does about you. <laughs> <laughs> um But uh, but I'm a bit to stand. But I think Chaps has still got enough yeah. charm to make it not completely horrible. We've
0: had we've had email requests, Ivo, asking for you to come on. Right, that's nice of. Isn't that? Yeah, uh, you're you're a, you're a popular man. People want to hear about your parenting. What, what's mm. your situation?
1: My situation is well, we've just moved back to London after five months in the countryside. Um, We've been quite fortunate in that my parents were... You've been quite
0: fortunate since birth, either.
1: Yes, obviously, it's been quite the parade of good fortune in 1990 (laughs) to present. But a thrilling new chapter of privilege has opened up in recent months. Um, Sure. I've I've got to say that, um, yet again, I've been pleasantly surprised by how many safety nets there are beneath me. Um, Because... (laughs) (laughs) my parents and this isn't going to help things at all um live in hong kong a a lovely place to uh, kill some time in one's 50s um or or, or if you fancy being on on the edge of some genuinely thrilling civil unrest but um (laughs) they were meant to be moving back to the uk uh, this this year, but because of the pandemic, they have elected to stay there a bit longer, which means that the house in Wiltshire, they were going to be moving back to where I grew up was it, it was an empty. So me and my young family decamped to uh, a undeniably nicer house. Um, yes, but even better, with no disrespect to them, obviously, without my parents in it. Um,
0: <laughs> or, oh, Ivor.
1: As I christened it in the only joke I've written this entire lockdown, all of the arga, none of the agro. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so, and you've just got one, is that
1: right? I vote one child. Yes, I've got an 18-month-old daughter. And I would say that it's been, uh, it's been a very good lockdown for having an 18-month-old, I would say. Obviously, and you've covered this extensively on the podcast um which I'm a big fan of the the dream scenario just from from a pressure perspective is undeniably no children but yeah. I would say <laughs> that, um uh, you know not not from a sort of life enrichment uh, no, sort no, of, of long term legacy perspective, but just in terms of day to day stress yeah. but I would say within the child realm um one is better than two three four um I could go on you've you've all counted um yourselves, <laughs> or I'd say even just age wise obviously newborn has got uh, all of those very specific stresses. And then as soon as they become toddler, uh, terrible twos, and then a genuine yeah. understanding of like the, the sort of maybe questioning the pandemic, why they're missing school, um, not seeing Having their friends. Having to do homeschooling. Exactly. Whereas one and a half, we've just watched her learn to walk and talk. And it's been fantastic. Like it's it's genuinely, it's all the best bits of, of young parenthood, I would say. And we've had great, you know, sort of full time access to it.
2: So even in a pandemic, you've had child age privilege alongside the country residents. I Guyver. do, yeah. It's I mean, an unbelievable set of privilege. Like, it is an
1: unbelievable set of privileges. I would say <laughs> that while the um, lovely home is a privilege that I cannot really take any credit for, you've got to say that part of the parenting is just me trying to have a positive outlook about it. And, yeah, I say, pouring some of my own good energies into it. I've been lucky in that we don't have a lot of work on, me and yeah. my daughter's mum are both self-employed, so we've we've not had the stress of trying to juggle whole days on Zoom calls or whatever. What yeah. I would say to counteract all of the, the, the nice things that I've got going on yeah. is that emotionally it's been a bit more challenging because me and my daughter's mum aren't together. We broke up last year, um, which was obviously, uh, to, to quote quite a lot of my family, not ideal timing, Um, but while obviously these things are incredibly sort of stressful and sad and complicated we we sort of it was done with the sort of best of intentions and and sort of very amicably and particularly over the sort of Christmas period we started to get I think into quite a nice co-parenting rhythm in, in London and we hang out most days and I think at the beginning of this year it was like okay we're starting to feel now like we're sort of doing okay at this new chapter and maybe even now we might be able to start getting a bit more closure from our relationship yeah moving on
2: slightly but still co-parenting
1: it wouldn't wouldn't say it was the best time for a global pandemic to have forced us back into the same um, <laughs> lovely listed home
0: <laughs> essentially essentially the pandemic has led to you to playing A kind of act out of your own parents' situation when they had children, either. Uh,
1: Yeah, that's exactly it. I mean, my parents uh, weren't in this specific house. They 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 weren't in
0: Graham Hall, obviously.
1: They weren't in Graham Hall. They were in. They were actually in in Japan um, on another chapter of the wild expat ride that I've been. (laughs) I wouldn't try and improvise what Graham Hall would have been in Japanese because I don't think it ends hugely well.
2: Either just to be clear, so basically you were sort of, were you still living together in London? We weren't
1: living together. I'd no. um, in, in, in one of a series of quite sort of cruel, ironic twists um, that have uh, sort of befallen my life over the last year, I was living just down the road with um, a couple of friends of mine um, called uh, Julian and Rose. Um it basically, if you went to Eton and, and you fall into any sort of trouble in your adult life, you get sent a sort of emergency Julian uh, to, <laughs> to bail you out. So they live they lived just down the road. And yeah. so it was perfect. They had a spare room. Unfortunately, just after I moved in with them, um, they then told me that they were expecting a baby. Oh, so, my. <laughs> so my I mean, I was never gonna be in their spare room for too long because eventually I'll probably get my own place, but it did put a, a very specific time deadline. And that cot is quite small.
2: You're a tall man, it's, aren't you? To nursery. It's not ideal,
1: <laughs> Rob. During the, you know, of course, occasional darker moments uh, when one wonders sort of uh, quite how things have come to this, to have a nursery being assembled around you... <laughs> And, and they're like, uh, oh, you know, don't, obviously you can stay as long as you want, but um, we are just, we're going to build the, the, the baby bouncer today, if, if, if you don't mind. That'll, that'll, just be, that'll just be here next to your boxes. Oh. <laughs> um,
0: oh so in a way, was the pandemic forcing you to move out of that? positive
1: i think it was i mean they were absolutely lovely and i still had i'd say at least six weeks left on the um uh, on on the clock before their, their child was literally mm. born mm. but um it was definitely the the solution i think uh and and i think we're both really pleased with how it went because there were other options um you know for, for me i've got lots of family in london but as lockdown started alongside all the other stress of like, what's this going to do to sort of work and the sorts of baby things we do, you know, the classes we go to, you would then also having to read about like, like co-parenting loopholes, which is kind of, I mean, obviously, a lot of people, including I'm sure people listening to this will have had to go through that and work it out. But it is stressful, and particularly when the whole situation is quite new, it's just a sort of bit bleak when you've just got good at living just down the road, sort of co-pairing together most days, but having a disface, And then you're going, okay, am I going to be able to go home at the end of the day without getting stopped by the police and having to... <laughs> <laughs> Oh uh, yes, let me just explain. We, uh, we took a very difficult decision at a very strange point in our lives, but we're, we're doing it. We're doing extremely well, and and I've sanitised my hands, obviously. Um, so if you could go home to the the other nursery, uh, that would be
2: fantastic.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so. It became quite clear, quite quickly, that having an empty house in the countryside was uh, definitely the, the right call. And my parents' house is like, you know, we, we, it's, it's. Don't think I'm bragging when I say it's got enough bedrooms for 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 me and Carrie to sleep separately. Um, <laughs> and I. Uh, That's good. And we could both have sort of time apart from each other there if, if, if required. But it was mad that first week of lockdown, because obviously, even though lockdown was so sort of strictly enforced and observed, there was definitely about a week where I think the paranoia fueled by all the panic buying and stuff was definitely creating things like people were saying the motorways are going to be closed. So we were packing yeah. up. And I don't know if you sort of remember this or whether it related to any decisions that you guys were making, but we were going. Like, we, we don't. We need to sort of tidy up and get our stuff and get our sort of just get our heads around this. Mm. But are there going to be barricades on the M4 tomorrow? <laughs> <laughs> we need to like go overnight. And obviously, <laughs> actually, it was it was fine, but it, it was quite stressful. And then my yeah. parents, who you know, goodness me, managing the inter- intercontinental life is is never easy. But uh, they had let um, a few of um, the bits of the sort of house. Basically, they, they hadn't prepared the, the, the country house for the sudden arrival of their uh, elder son's broken family. Um, <laughs> so um, the heating wasn't working. So Could we... I just
0: say, Ivo, when you, when you moved to your parents uh, yeah. or when, they, when the discussions were ongoing, you, they sent you what I would think is the funniest photo I've ever seen in my life. Oh which was, right! Which was them demonstrating how how the high chair could be used.
1: Uh, yes, that's that's uh, basically it. They they Can were put trying. on
2: Instagram either.
1: Um, I can't. I think I put it as an Instagram story, which is um what I do with content that I don't really believe in. Um, <laughs> you know, if, if I, I'm sort of te- testing it out, and uh, yeah. and if it gets a good reaction, then, then maybe it'll pop up as a post a few days later, like nothing happened. Um, <laughs> But um, Have you got the photo? uh, Yes, I've got the photo. So um, we've got a a, a neighbour who will occasionally sort of pop in and like sort of um, check on like things around the house. So they, they very kindly got a couple of baby things out of the attic for us, even from afar, ready for our arrival, including this little, it's a seat that you just attach to a table instead of a high chair. And they'd put... Um, as a demonstration of how well it could work um, a massive uh, teddy bear in it which <laughs> I can't really do justice to it and I, yeah I, w- I would like to give the photo a much-needed second wind on social media with <laughs> crucially
0: with, with lockdown parenting hell's backing um, but it, it was it was a one of the most surreal photos because it was a large country kitchen containing a a teddy bear strapped to the side of a table. It was looking it was furious, man. Looking say. absolutely livid at the <laughs> oh, situation. We'll,
2: we'll stick it on Instagram so that the listeners can see. Uh, did you sort out the heating? Well, so we had about a, we had a week of
1: like an, um obviously there's a fireplace, so we had a week um, <laughs> of, of, of sort of huddling around yeah. the fire. But well, the staff not
2: cold. You know,
1: <laughs> Ironically, their quarters are extremely well heated. Um, it's all part of my father's sort of uh, very democratic worldview. Um, yeah, it was, it, was, it was sort of cold and it felt a bit weird. Then there was this like April heat wave and uh, the heating got fixed as well. And suddenly you were so aware of how lucky you were to have like a garden uh, yeah. while lockdown was being so stressful for, for people, particularly without like, m- like more than their designated hour in the local park. And actually, all of the f- last five months, while obviously at times very emotionally confusing, have been yeah. like, it's, yeah. been, it's been like a real win, I would say, particularly that first month was just great. We just couldn't really believe that we'd done it. And we'd made the sense of like, we've
0: made it out. And, uh, yeah. and it, it's all paid off. Did you like, did you live the same life as a three? Or was there ways you dealt with kind of the situation? Like day day to day, did you fall into a routine? Well,
1: I'd say we probably just divvied up the time just like most um, sort of families did, but maybe with a bit more of an onus on, you know, having our own space, both not, not just to get stuff done, but just for a little bit of, you know, any semblance of emotional independence. I would say with regards to lockdown and just in general, it's usually about thirds. We try and do a third sort of each individually and then a third together. Um, yeah. Partly because you know we get on and we think it's really nice to sort of still be doing nice activities as a young family and partly because it's it's just quite brutal doing handovers and so inevitably lots of sort of gray areas are are created I've seen your hair uh I've actually loved my lockdown hair and beard thank you very much they're in no way representative of a man on the edge um (laughs) it's it's been it's been uh, it's been a a lovely project to have on the go and by project I mean just just not taking care of myself um but the the time when you're on your own I think if you're if you've got very specific work to do if you've got tasks that have to be done by the end of the day for a boss or if you have just got a full day of zoom meetings or whatever it is then there's no getting around the fact that your child has to be somewhere else in the house and you just got to get on with stuff for as long as it takes being self-employed with not a lot on, particularly now that the live stuff had, had dried up, and the lack of any sort of real deadline, it's very hard to be disciplined. Particularly when you're getting all this lovely wholesome time with your yeah. child in, in your own childhood home, which is so like for, for me extra special because you're just constantly finding all these massive bears that my parents had just laid out <laughs> there. <to> like. <laughs> Um, basically, I'd be up in my room trying to have a sort of trying to think up something funny to say at my next stand up gig, which probably wouldn't happen for 18 months. And <laughs> you would either want to go downstairs because you could hear the parenting being quite stressful. You know, Edie would be, you yeah. know, a bit upset about something. You would think I'm not doing anything important enough to justify not helping out.
2: Or yeah. they'd
1: be having such a cute time and she'd be sort of giggling and, and, and sort of shrieking in a good way. You'd be like, oh, I obviously want to go in and get on that because that's far better and more soul nourishing than mm. anything I'm doing. Basically, my daughter had to be being such solidly mediocre company for me to get anything done. It had to be, <laughs> be not fun and not a disaster. And then I could be like, okay, right, n- you know, now, now let's, let's, let's think up that podcast idea. Because anything, either way, it's a bit like when I used to play FIFA on career mode with my brother late into the night. And we established that you could only go to bed on a draw. Because if, if you lost, you couldn't go to bed on a, on a But if you won, you had to have that hit again. Of, you can't so Only a draw could leave you emotionally neutral enough to sleep.
0: Do you think um, splitting up has made you appreciate and not put more pressure on, but made you kind of more engaged with experiencing these moments with your daughter?
1: I think so. I think um, partly like last year, um, I mean, just having spent a bit of time not living with her uh, and also just other things that sort of inevitably happen when you're at your comic, like I went to Edinburgh for a month last year. You know, There was the sense that my, first, that my experience of the first year of her life hadn't been the typical one and that I'd missed out on a bit of stuff. I mean, on the other hand, I think being a, a, a stand-up comedian is, is sort of great for being a parent because you get all this daytime. Um, yeah. so actually, yeah. I feel that even through some of the sort of more tricky bits of last year, I was still probably getting more than a lot of dads who just have to go back to work nine to five quite soon after yeah. having a baby. But I think, of course, living together which is you know just going to be a sort of longer term challenge about how that all works but at the moment it's we parent around the one flat and this is what we've just gone back to in London we parent around the one flat that that Carrie and Edie live in and then I'm nearby with whatever friends of mine up the duff at that moment in time (laughs) (laughs) And, um, and so you know I'm seeing her most days and I can get you know I can get the uh living with my daughter experience of putting her to bed in the evening, going off, and then coming back first thing in the morning to get her up. But there is still, obviously, the sense that something has been lost in the middle. Do
0: you, you go around, then, at first thing in the morning? I, what time are you arriving? Well, some days. And again, this is just
1: the sort of... Like, when we were under one roof, it was a bit more straightforward because you would just you just take it in turns to have, to have the monitor. Um, yeah. Whereas now, if I'm doing an early morning obviously she's we're very lucky as well that she is uh, a good sleeper she sleeps pretty consistently through the night till roughly about the same sort of time between sort of six thirty and 7 but if i want the getting her up and and the sort of all the charm of her sort of being bleary eyed when, when i sort of go in then i have to arrive early enough for that and then if she's not awake i, I have to make the choice of either to come into the flat which will probably wake her or to sit just outside the flat and listen for her waking up um, through the door, which is not ideal, obviously, and I don't think that's a long-term solution.
0: Um, you sitting outside a flat at quarter past six in the morning is isn't inherently reportable to the police in a way, isn't it?
1: Yeah, and I think it's crossed our neighbours' minds on a couple of occasions. Yeah also there was another night um this was wearing the superman lockdown. t-shirt shouting let me in don't help either <laughs> the great thing about being such a young single dad is that all my old superman outfits still fit me so i'm, I'm absolutely you're, you're
2: primed for fathers for justice you're ready to go but
1: i um before lockdown i'd moved in with julian and rose but i hadn't completely adjusted emotionally or administratively to the new situation And I'm not the most organized person at the best of times. So I realized at the end of a a sort of like evening coming home from a gig that I hadn't got the keys to their place, but I did still have the keys to my old place. But this was when sleep wasn't going quite as smoothly and it wasn't ideal if she woke in the night. And I thought, well, I could come in at like one in the morning and just sort of sleep on the sofa because I'm doing the early shift tomorrow anyway. But I don't really want to wake her up because that just won't be ideal for anyone. And I'm afraid to say that the decision I took, given that it was only about five hours until she woke up anyway, was uh, to instead use the third set of keys at my disposal, um, which were the keys to our Ford Focus, uh, which is part of the flat. <laughs> so just a lovely all in the Ford. And 20, by the way, to anyone <laughs> thinking of buying a Ford Focus, with the potential for their own family taking on this new thrilling shape, I would say that the um, the seats actually don't recline all the way down in the Focus. No. Um, they did in my in my old Toyota Corolla, um, but they didn't in the Focus. So it wasn't a terrific night, actually.
0: Did you not go back seat? I'd go back seat. No, but the back seat had the has the baby seat oh, of course, in, and oh, I'm oh, not God. confident
1: enough with the ISO fix to take the baby seat out <laughs> and put it back in again. And again, you know, when I because I thought okay back it's straight across the back seat and i had forgotten and again in, in a sort of you know metaphor for the reminders of my situation i'd forgotten of course that there it was the hulking joie baby seat a couple <laughs> of weeks before then i'd done a gig where i had um i was driving three people to the gig so i thought right great one in the front with me and then two in the back next to the baby seat and i would say the joie it takes up maybe 1.25 seats
2: <laughs> <laughs> yes. it, It encroaches
1: into the middle. So my friend who was doing the gig with me looked at it and said, oh, it's a bit tight in the back. Do you think there's any chance we could put the the baby seat in the boot? And it was too embarrassing to say, no, because I'm not confident enough of being able to put it back in afterwards. It's very stressful. I'm not a very practical man. I went to an all-boys boarding school, which which prioritised a sort of intellectual growth uh, rather than practical growth. And also, I was livid because they were a couple. I was like, yeah, cosy up in the back. (laughs) So, so, I, so I had, with with through gritted teeth, I had taken it out and then, of course, had found it difficult to put it back in again. They're so yeah. heavy as well. They're so They're heavy. They're so heavy. And you click it in on one side and then you go round the other side to click it on the other side and you've somehow unclicked it on the side you've just left. <laughs> it is, you know, I'm sure if I did it on, on the regs, um, then I would be a master of it, but as we've established, I don't want to be doing it on on the regs really.
2: And how's how's your how's your daughter like? Is she or she well behaved in lockdown? She was chief,
1: I mean, it, it really has been, and like it's it's been fantastic. It's she's um because you do of course when you're stressed about sort of this slightly unusual situation, what it's going to look like in in the future. You're obviously just prioritizing your shared. Uh, you know, the, the thing that brings you together and um, the thing that you're always going to focus on and just sort of pouring as much sort of energy and attention and, and, and love into that as possible. So it is really good when she's in a good mood because of course you then can feel like, oh, we've done, we've done the right thing and we're, and we're doing well at it. And of course, babies of any situation are going to have um, very frustrating days uh, and you, you shouldn't take that upon yourself. But it does still help. Yeah. I, I'm 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 looking to my 18 month old daughter for reassurance um, that we've made the right life choices, which I say, <laughs>
0: but,
1: <laughs> but a dangerous for, form of uh, emotional dependence. Um, yeah. no, but, but I think go. going
0: that
2: doing that five months and you're in you know you're separated, but you still manage to you know live together and co-parent is such a you know not I don't think many couples that split up could could have done that. So I think you gave her that lovely experience.
1: Well, it's very nice of you both to say. I'm aware that I've essentially spent the last five months living inside a Guardian Um, (laughs) (laughs) long-read.
2: You should write a um, book. uh,
1: Well, let's let's see how... um, this podcast is received, crucially, not just by your listeners, but by our families. Um, <laughs> I, um, and, and I think you've been very this, uh, fair. Well, yeah, I mean, and to go back to how she's been, it's it's been brilliant. And the, the walking and talking thing, having this specific period of time for that to be happening, mm. has been. it's just fun. You know, when there's new words every day and all of those fun little parent surprises, like she's picked up something that you didn't even try to teach her which thus far has all been, you know, sweet things like fruit and animal noises, um, rather than uh, some of the darker things that I mutter to myself. Um, uh, <laughs>
2: it, it's,
0: um, it's really, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's been great. Do you, do you find, Ivo, that, because obviously you're making decisions about how you parent or like the rules at which you, you'd set a child or whatever, you know, whatever any couple would make the decision on. Does that, is that more difficult because you're not a couple in a way? Like, do you have different approaches to parenting or has that been pretty simple and easy? I think
1: broadly, we have not got anything too different, really. I think that will obviously get more challenging um, as she gets older and there are more just decisions to make, really. But at the moment, it's just been about the things like just, you know, trying to, you know sort of baby things and young toddler things like trying to get into good sleep habits trying to keep her in a good routine mm, uh, trying yeah. to, get her to eat. and actually a she's been pretty sort of um good on on all of those things she sleeps well and she eats well and you know carrie is she's very good at that and she has sort of thought a lot about it and read a lot about it and was very good at getting a sort of routine going early doors so i i slot into that i think um, quite, quite sort of agreeably. I don't bring any radical theories to the table. Fascinating to listen to Russell Kane on the podcast, bringing <laughs> a lot of what I would call boarding school energy. Uh, my idea um, because I guess that's my legacy of the way I was brought up is that even though I think my parents could not have given us more love and and, and uh, sort of reassurance of us being a family unit. At the same time, we did all go to boarding school, which increasingly feels just so alien and to people and is obviously associated with quite a lot of less than ideal uh, political patterns that of the manifesting themselves <laughs> at the moment, I would say. But I think I've still got a bit of that thing of like, e- even though I don't feel I had a sort of a, a hugely rough or emotionally malnourished time at school, I think there's still a little bit of that creeps in when it's like if she wants a snack and it's not the sort of time of day when she does have a snack I think I'm probably more the one to be like well no she's got to learn that she doesn't need a snack um, <laughs> I would say that is literally as heavy hitting as the debate gets it's about <laughs> when the- <laughs> <laughs> Whether to give an apple rice cake um, you know, at, at, at two thirty PM when really it, it should the rice cake shouldn't be deployed anytime before three fifteen. Um <laughs> Ivo, what age did you go to boarding school? I went when I was seven. Wow. So uh yes. Um would you
2: would you would you send uh, your children to a boarding school? I would say no.
1: Um I think that uh again though I think my parents did it. With good reasons, and I it's that, still didn't possible. ask
2: about your parents either.
1: I've got to stop defending my parents. Actually, yeah, because I think that tells us more. <laughs> it does tell us a lot. Actually, when I but what refer, you? To what would them you? When you haven't mentioned them once. Um, <laughs> yeah. And uh, I'm actually working through quite a lot of that sort of stuff with with my therapist. I don't need to do that on on this podcast. So by the way, <laughs> I, I should say um, psychotherapy. Um, particularly when your life is uh, very much defined by your evolving romantic and familial situation. Another very strange thing to do in a, in a lockdown pandemic under the same roof as your child and ex-partner. Um, oh,
0: via Zoom? Via
1: Zoom. Oh, absolutely, wow. Absolutely wholesome morning of parenting and then upstairs uh, to make sure the door is shut firmly um, to discuss what an absolute wrench it all is.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
2: Yeah, you really need to make sure they're in the garden for that phone. Could you go at the end of the garden for this could phone you, call, please? Could you just, yeah, all, yeah, exactly.
0: Past, yeah, lawn two, as we call it. <laughs> <laughs> Did you ponder over how, because obviously you're quite, um, anyone who hasn't seen you just stand up, perish the thought. You're quite a kind of autobiographical stand up. We talk a lot about how your life has evolved through the last few years. Have you had to give a lot of thought as to how you would address your situation as a stand up?
1: I'll be honest, Josh, the cancellation of this year's Edinburgh Fringe, though financially not ideal, um, it has come artistically as quite a relief. (laughs) Um, um, I've really settled into um, a groove um, slash sort of trap over the last few years of not really extending my imagination beyond just whacking down an hour of whatever's happened to me over the last year. Um, and yeah. hoping that people are emotionally invested in it, if not um, amused by it. And it, f- a few of my February work in progresses had already given a few hints that this year was going to be a slightly trickier sell. <laughs> um, so I think having having a year to mull on that is um, is no bad thing. I mean, I think when you have a, a child at all, the onus on any even vaguely autobiographical comic or, or writer or, or public figure to think a bit more about how much they're giving away does go up obviously a lot. Um, mm. May I say, I think you both do an absolutely excellent job. You know, um, you, you you watch a Josh Widdicombe show, he's, he's your best friend, he's just like you, and then ha- halfway home, you realise that actually, you haven't found out anything about him at all. Actually. <laughs> <laughs> <Brilliant>. um, whereas <laughs> I think I, you know, I have set up this thing of every show feeling like a bit of a a sort of an evolution from the last and it it suddenly is a, a little bit more challenging. On the other hand, as long as you're discreet and uh, sort of tactful and, I don't know, I think there's actually something that's, you know, hopefully interesting about this. There have been, you know, funny aspects. I, may I refer you back to sleeping in my car for five hours? And the Arga.
2: <laughs> Let's not forget the Arga joke. It's the best joke I've heard. In last well, thanks Robert. very much,
1: Rob. Yeah, I, I wrote that in late March and I'm afraid to say... <laughs> Took the rest of the spring and summer off.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I think, though, I don't think you should worry too much. I, I think I share a bit more about my life than Josh does on stage. I think you're a good person, and if you're honest, then you can't. No one can really have a problem with it, if, if you know what I mean. And and I think because you're a good guy, you know, I, I think agree. I don't think there's much
0: to worry about. I don't, think don't um, listen you know. to the Daily Mail, either.
1: Oh no, <laughs> but they're so right about everything. <laughs> and I um I think even listening to this podcast, to be honest, which has been a real delight to have, it's been, it's been my early morninger, uh, which I I listen with one headphone in. It's my, it's my Ellis James watching the last dance. um,
0: (laughs) So do you listen that, that I've discussed this before, but I didn't name you that you, you, you have one headphone in when you're parenting early on.
1: Not, I mean, not always. And, and certainly less and less so because she's clocked it now, which is um, obviously it's wonderful to watch your child grow and, and evolve. But, every time they basically work something out, a little bit of your own individual freedom is chipped away. Um, <laughs> and, uh, so during those, particularly, there was, you know, occasionally earlier on in lockdown, there were a few more sort of 5amers um, where you're just, you're sort of waking up into parenting and and sort of they're, you know, basically, you know, not, not doing anything too challenging either. So it would be nice just to pop one headphone in because I think if you play it, I don't know. It's they're both obviously antisocial. Not that she's called mm. me out on that yet, but um,
0: I think just playing
1: anything off a speaker.
0: See, I, I put the radio on either in the mornings. Yeah,
2: I mean, that's that's obviously fine. I don't yeah, think, I think if these you're preparing is... breakfast and they're playing. You can have one ear in as you're doing something like that. I think that's and also
1: sometimes it, then if you're going from room to room. Anyway, these are these are sort of practical issues. But the point yeah. is, listening to the podcast and listening to you both talking. Um, more frankly about aspects of it and listening to all the different angles on parenting provided by the guests. It's been very, very reassuring, I think. Uh, for me yeah, that's
2: nice oh good and I think a lot of people listening to this will feel the same either especially you know talking about co-parenting there's so many people that have to co-parent and split time between different houses and different places and stuff like that and it is you know it's a logistical nightmare it's a logistical nightmare when you're with your partner you know trying to bring up kids so I think a lot of people will feel the same about you know your situation and thanks for sharing it really yeah I'd I think what's hard about it is that, um, I mean,
1: amongst other things, is that this period has been so nice with our daughter being at such a great stage and us not having too much, you know, obviously if you read or think too much about the pandemic, it all just gets a bit bleak. But 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 if we just concentrate on being, you know, in, a, in the countryside, in the sunshine with our daughter uh, without too much sort of work pressure. And also I've not been gigging. So we've been making dinner and watching TV and doing all this other stuff most nights that we so rarely did when we were a couple because I was always out. Yeah. So that's been so much more wholesome. So we've mm-hmm. gone from feeling like a couple who, you know, sort of were, were, were struggling and, and sometimes sort of papering over, over the cracks to being the best non-couple and the line between the two is so it's such a wafer thin line and it's such a confusing line obviously
2: yeah, yeah. it's just kissing in it just don't kiss that's the line it's just it? not kissing actually rob it's just, <laughs> not kissing. just don't kiss everything's the same but no kissing is that the rule? have i got it right
1: i think i think i think you are absolutely right rob many is the time in lockdown when you know of course you've had a, a lovely wholesome evening You've watched three episodes of Normal People, which really lathers it on from a, from a romantic <laughs> perspective. And uh, it feels absolutely ludicrous to be um, retiring to separate bedrooms uh, rather than sort of starting a new chapter of your own life. But actually, you have to remember that uh, you've made these decisions for a certain reason, and you're not in Normal People. You're <laughs> co-parenting
0: during a pandemic. And it's. <laughs>
2: Oh, Ivo, thank you so much. Thank you so much,
0: Ivo. That was brilliant. Um, well, it was you. great to speak to you, um, and uh, we'll speak to you again at some point. Yeah. I'm we'll sure. Have to get carry
2: on for our side of it, I think <laughs> that would not. be
0: completely fair. It would be. Uh, <laughs> I mean
1: these these lockdown parenting uh, or co parenting hell podcasts. <laughs> the, the the doubles are particularly enjoyable. I'm Not sure <laughs> I'd like to, but, but it's up to you whether you invite her or not. Obviously. <laughs>
2: Ivo. Oh, thanks, Ivo. Thanks so
0: much, mate. Cheers. Ivo Graham. Oh, great episode that. Genuinely, that is one of my favourite episodes, depending on editing all that stuff out about him. Um thinking that he's better than people from comprehensive schools. But um,
2: <laughs> no, he did not say that, Josh. I will stand up for him. And I do think it's a bit unfair with uh, Ivo because he gets a hard time because obviously he has gone to Eton and Oxford and all those sort of things. But he he didn't he didn't pick that. That was picked for him by his parents, the same way I didn't pick my upbringing of, you know, a comprehensive in a working class area. So I do feel sorry sometimes for people that um, have that upbringing. It's not their choice. They were thrown into it just the same way. I, I think
0: was... Ivo has elegantly leaned into it and made it a funny part of his brand, as yes. opposed to people who kind of try and cover up their growing up situation. Growing up situation, bloody hell. You can tell I, I didn't do. go to eat and can't you
2: went <laughs> to eat, you would have been able to say that in Latin. <laughs> at the same time of selling off the NHS.
0: That's what you learn there. Um, so, Rob, that, I thought that was brilliant. I, I also think uh, what's fascinating about this podcast is just people in such different situations.
2: Yeah, it's mad. And and really, I think before I thought it was just us moaning about kids, but really the reality is being a parent defines your life essentially because you have yeah. this huge anchor of somewhere where you have to be, this big responsibility. So it does make an impact on every decision you make. You can't just go, I want to go and live abroad or I want to go travelling. There's, there's that tie. So I think in all different types of ways, it impacts on you and it's about how people deal with it. And, it, you know, it's great to hear Ivo talk about that the co-parenting yeah. stuff. So I imagine a lot of people listening are single parents and are dealing with it. You know, we've had other single parents on the show, Alison and Judy and stuff. So, yeah, I thought it was really, I it was really interesting. It was really honest as well. I, 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 th-
0: I think also it's just making that situation work. They, they both come out of it with so so much credit for putting the, the welfare of their daughter first and, you know, and real and having to try and rebuild this situation that isn't, you know, the classic 2.4 children situation. But Yeah. You're building a situation that's, you know, just as healthy, if not more, than people who are in the 2.4 children situation. I, I, I do think it's better off to sort of split up and
2: co-parent than be that couple that hate each other and argue in front of the kids and they're together, but it's
0: horrendous. Just because, yes. you know what I mean, it's sort of like a I, I, environment. I, I totally agree. Okay. Although, obviously, I wouldn't like to speculate over whether Ivor and Carrie were that couple.
2: Oh, no, I'm not saying they were, but I'm just saying in general, I, I've seen it with other couples that are sort of, they, carry, you know, so I think it's better to be grown up about it and that it seems like they have. And also, from a point of view of a bloke who grew up in South East London and went to a comprehensive school, to hear that a boarding school kid that went to Eton and then Oxford was sleeping in his full focus outside of his flat in East London. I, you know, it's, it's, it just made me feel quite good in a weird way. But, you know, <laughs> it's not, the grass is not always greener. No. <laughs> no, I, don't, I know it is on the many lawns of
0: ivo's parents house
2: yeah yeah but it's so green the formal gardens are absolutely stunning <laughs> I'll go there.
0: um thank you to ivo uh that was a genuine joy um we're back on friday uh where we've got lots of uh emails we want to get through lots of instagrams uh we want to get through um and so we look forward to that if you want to get in touch here's how
2: Email us hello at lockdownparenting.co.uk or tweet us at lockdownparents or Instagram lockdown underscore parenting. And you can also send us stuff P.O. Box 76748, London E99DW. Also, don't forget to rate and review us. We were number one on episodes in the charts the other day. The Chris Parker fact. Oh, but, oh, I've just checked. Amy Hoggart. And the old "What do you want for dinner?" crew. Ah, oh. I've uh, took it. Oh no, the what do you want for dinner crew have absolutely destroyed. Oh, her. oh, what do you want for dinner? Let's talk about that for half an hour. Get a life, lads. Fucking hell. <laughs> Beans on toast. See you next
0: week. Um. So, uh, thank you very much, uh, to everyone. Please rate us. Please don't rate the Geordies or the, the "What do you want for dinner?" crew. And we will see you later.
2: See you Friday. Bye. Bye.